Listening to the Otaku Spirit Anime Cast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined here with Chris. Yo! And we're from the OtakuSpirit.com website, where you can go for all of our anime, new and old. Great community in the form links at the top, social media links on the right side, and all that good stuff. Today is our review for the winter 2020 anime season, part one. We have two parts for this one. Hopefully, they don't take too long to go through each part, because I try to avoid doing the three-parters, because it kind of makes it to where some shows takes like three weeks before you actually talk about them, and that's always a, a bad thing for the memory. Mm-hmm. But um, it usually means the episodes are longer. <laughs> so well, have, have, you, have you thought about doing five parts? Sure, if we could just like be late actually watching the show, I guess. <laughs> Otherwise, it'd be like, oh, yeah, that was that show that I watched, I think, last year. <laughs> Doesn't work out very well. But yes, uh, we have quite a few here. We have Darwin's Game, Blade of the Immortal, uh, Somali, and the Four Spirit. It Invaded. I finally found out that's actually it invaded. Well, I found out when I watched the show because I realized they were in id wills, wells. Yeah. And it's not ID invaded. Like yeah. I thought it was because it's capital ID. <laughs> Anyways. It's a, it's a subconscious portion of yourself or something like that. Yeah. Your inner reality or something. Yeah. Toilet Bound, Hanako-kun, Bofuri, Seton Academy, Join the Pack, Fate Grand Order, Absolute Demonic Front, Babylonia, Smile Down the Runway, and if it's if my, if my favorite idol if my favorite pop idol made it to bokudan why can't i say that name again budokan i would die that's all it's a lot i have too much useless information i think too much too much <laughs> weight on this episode specifically so that's going to be a difficult thing I mean, there's a couple good shows in the second parter but i think most of the big titles were in this this parter but that's just how they ended so like i said earlier just want to get them reviewed and while they're still fresh in the mind so kick things off at a bang let's do it darwin's game are you excited for this one yeah okay i never i don't know if i ever got a a, a pulse on you during the show and i was always afraid of it but he he went through the entire thing that's just it's, it's it's a surprise uh this one streamed on Funimation and high dive ran for 11 episodes studios at nexus the sources of manga the genres are action, mystery, and shonen. This one follows a guy named Kaname. I, I guess for, like, Wrath of Bat, it follows some random guy that is being chased by, like, an invisible threat. And then as he's being killed, he's calling for help from his person on his phone, which is Kaname, and sends a request for help. And then cuts to Kaname, and he is receives a notification for a game called Darwin's Game. And he taps on it, even though his friend realizes it and tries to stop him. 
and suddenly a snake comes out of his screen, of his phone, and bites him on the neck, and he loses consciousness. And then when he wakes up, he is... Seems like he's okay, but then he starts... Uh, he gets kind of dragged into this game, which is Darwin's game, and it all kind of centers around this app that will kind of... You can trigger to combat other people that are part of the Darwin's game, or buy items to fight in the Darwin's game, or set up guilds. And it's actually becomes very real because him and his friend kind of get caught up in a, a battle against that said invisible threat. And uh, it becomes really real when suddenly his friend gets killed and he realizes, okay, there's actually people dying in this fight and this game kind of screwed up. So he's trying to stop it as he's kind of joined with other people that are kind of dragged into it as well. It seems like most everybody else seemed to be okay with doing it. Well, he's like the one odd person out that doesn't want to have anything to do with it, thinks it's disgusting and and um, kind of wrong that people are killing each other over money and, and rewards that this game has. So, big Battle Royale style game. Yeah. So, your thoughts? I'm actually... Th- this show is is pretty brutal. It's It's not as dark as some shows that we've watched before, but this one is pretty brutal. But it does... Uh, it, it does really well with the kind of actiony aspect of it, and it and it does come off as more of a fun type game. I it hasn't a fun game. <laughs> I I know it's 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 really weird to to be saying that it, the the show is a, a a is fun in a way, but at the same time it is dark, and it's it's hard to express that. I mean. I there is some aspects of it that I am very very fearful that it's going to come out at some point but at, as it stands right now it is just kind of more gory than anything but it is a fun show as far as just crazy violence and crazy characters all doing weird things to uh win this battle royale. Yeah, I think the the reason why I kind of assumed that it didn't get to the point where Chris would kind of turn it off is I don't think it is as I guess torturous a lot of a lot of the fights kind of seem like they end pretty violently, but most of the cases it's kind of just done and it's over with. I mean, there was a few parts with like Wang, uh, who was like the this gang leader who had an ability, and he was he seemed to use it in the real world to kind of uh, form a gang and actually use it to take out other gangs because they each get an ability. Every person that actually launches this app, the snake bites them, they gain an ability, and they can use that ability against other people. Whereas Kaname starts out, he has the ability to kind of manifest weapons that he's touched or seen. Uh, Wang was somebody that could actually, like, cut things and slice through things. But he also had teleportation, which was always weird because I always thought that everybody had, like, one thing. Like, Kaname had, you know, manifesting weapons. Uh, Shuka had the ability to kind of control metal objects, as she kind of said at some point. Uh, freezing water, controlling water. I guess that's technically two elements, but that could be just controlling water to make it freeze. They were playing on the idea that that was two personalities. Each personality had their own separate ability. Yeah, you're assuming that the game is able to tap in and find out that she has personality and <laughs> give multiple <laughs> personalities abilities. <laughs> that that particular character's wish was to have that other per- personality placed inside them. I don't know. I That's one of their more weirder aspects of the show so i'm not going to play to explain it but yeah i i kind of checked it up to it's just kind of similar to the same ability they just one is moving it and the other one is making it not move there you go and that makes it makes sense to me right but i'm what my point was is that if you can control water you can control the 
rate in which it moves or the rate in which it's yeah. slower and the point the that it becomes frozen. Exactly. Yeah. That's where I, that's where I was going. The Whereas Wang didn't make any sense because unless he's teleporting his hand through people to that's cut him in half. That's what I thought that I he was doing was he was just moving so fast he was uh, making slices in the air or something. Because he had to, to do the slice. He had to be close enough to the person. Right, but – he could teleport to a certain distance, so unless they they never really explain that he's teleporting to them and sli- and teleporting his hand through them and then <laughs> teleporting back, he just slices his hand. And people fly, you know, fly in half or something. So that was a little bit of like an inconsistency there because it really did seem like they drove a point that each person had one ability. Maybe later they, you know, reveal that no, look, there can be multiple abilities, um, but it was. It was all right in that regard, but no. But going back, mm-hmm. <laughs> it seemed like it was a violent show, but it never really kind of stuck on things. And I guess a good point to that is that there's not really many. I'll just say it doesn't really. Yeah, there's female characters that die. <laughs> I think it would probably be worse for Chris if more female characters died and they didn't. So. I, I, I guess that's probably why he stuck through it. Cause that was as long as it's points. not one of the characters that I like, it probably right. be all right. As long as a character that he likes doesn't <laughs> die, he's, he's fine with it. You know, eventually. But that was the thing that I really couldn't grasp with the show. Is It's early on, I'm like, I wonder if it's going to be one of those shows where like nobody lives. Because I've, I've read several manga that are kind of like this. And typically with a lot of the mangas that I've run into that are kind of battle royale type shows or stories... They don't really hold back, and they like to just kill off everybody in the end, pretty much. But technically, this one is still ongoing. We only got really one, two, maybe two big grand fights, and then it kind of just stops, which is kind of one of the uh, bigger negatives I really have for it is that it doesn't really go anywhere. It, it, It opens it up, it builds up a guild, and then it just stops, and that's probably the the biggest issue I had, which wouldn't probably bother me so much. It was a solid chapter close for me. Yeah, but it's not a complete story, so it's hard to suggest at that point. Mm -hmm. I mean, unless you just really like Battle Royale shows and you're going to jump right into it and just enjoy just the few fights that they have. The the bigger issue is that I was really – I actually really enjoyed this show. I think the only point in which it really kind of hit me where I'm like, oh, they're doing that was the moment they they revealed that it was a spectator sport. And that (laughs) – I hate that everything like this has to turn into – Cut back, big screen, bunch of people placing bets. And it's like, oh, we're doing that. Oh, come on, please, no. That that really put a huge damper on me because I just I, – I've – I knew the moment they showed that that we weren't going to get a solid conclusion. And I knew that it was going to be one of those things that just kind of drags out and keeps going. Whether it – maybe, you know, if it kept on going for another five episodes, maybe they would complete the story. But it just kind of seemed like it, it – made it too big i like when they're more condensed battle royale stories not really the stories that are kind of like all the other ones like killing bites and everything has to have the spectators element to it i really do wonder how long they're going to drag that whole thing out i mean the as it stands right now i mean i guess they're going to have um attackers from the outside but and then maybe go to the big big bosses but they can't go. They can't drag it out for very much longer. It's it's not a world that's big enough for that. Yeah, I, I did actually enjoy. It. Granted, it's one of those things where you kind of have to really give the spectator element a lot of credit or the game master element a lot of credit because if they get sent to a certain location to fight out, suddenly out of nowhere, everybody that's in that area just leaves. Like all the citizens just leave for some reason. 
And it's almost like they're able to control the citizens to get him out of the area so the fight can kind of happen. So they also kind of push this idea that you'd rather kill somebody in the game because then it's completely outside of legal bounds of society because you killed them in the game. It's almost like they just kind of removed remove their existence and so all the proof's kind of gone or the proof of the kill is kind of gone. So that was kind of a weird, interesting element. It did kind of make me wonder if at some point the whole quote-unquote teleporting aspect was just them kind of being removed from the world and maybe relocated somewhere else and maybe later on they'll run into Wang again or something like that or run into another uh, character they fought before and have to fight him again or something. You think? Uh, that, that thought had maybe he'll be reunited with his friend. <laughs> <laughs> that had thought. That thought had crossed my mind, but I don't know. They seem kind of final in their in their ending of people. So I don't know. I will say that the show was a lot safer than I thought it would be. I, I really did think it was going to be a lot more brutal. So take that for what it is. Um, but it was it was really decently animated. I wasn't really expecting too much out of Nexus with this one. I really thought it was going to kind of drop the ball really quickly because the first, I, I think it had like an hour episode for the first one. It was really uh, well animated and everything. And I'm like, wow, this looks really good. The character designs are great. The animation, the the environments, everything was really well put together. And I was really expecting it to kind of go downhill really quickly. And they never really did. It, it really did keep a, a solid pacing and quality throughout the entire show. So, I don't really have too much bad thing to say about it. Like I said, I, I think the only thing that really kind of drug it down for me was the whole spectator aspect. It kind of made it a little bit bigger than it should be and really kind of told me that I wasn't going to get a solid conclusion, which I technically didn't. It just kind of see you in later or see you in the manga or hopefully in a in a <laughs> season two if this does well enough kind of thing. So that is one, one damper of it. But I really did enjoy the characters. A lot of the fights were pretty cool. But um, yeah. Anything else? No. And Shuka's cool. Shuka's pretty awesome. Shuka's cool. I like all the girls in the show. I I, awesome. I did like most of actually more all, all the characters outside of the bad guys, if you want to call them bad guys. <laughs> Wang was pretty bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, Blade of Immortal, Blade of the Immortal, which is the 2019 edition. Of course, this was originally uh, previously adapted way back in 2008. Had a movie, novel, everything. Uh, they did a 2019 version of it. I'm not sure why, but I watched it, so it's good. <laughs> uh, the Japanese title is Mugen, Mugen no Junin Immortal, and this was streamed on Amazon, ran for 24 episodes, and done by Studio Leiden Films. The source is a manga. The genres are pretty much everything action and historical related. Uh, director was Hiroshi Hamasaki, who did Orange, Technolize, Steins Gate, and Terraformers. Series composition by Fukami... Makoto, who did Berserk and Revisions. And this one uh, takes place, follows a, a guy named Manji. Well, technically starts off following a girl named Rin. And Rin, at some point when she was younger, her father was a part of a, pretty much a, a, a swordsman for a school. And at some point, the uh, this group called the Itoryu showed up and pretty much brutally murdered his family, raped her mother, and somehow she managed to uh, be kind of... Um, Spared. Spared from being killed. And as she grew up, she kind of made it her purpose in life to kind of seek revenge to take down the Itoru. And uh, so she seeks out the assistance of a guy named Manji. And Manji, uh, a while back, had... He's known as the one hundred, the killer of 100. At some point, he uh, took out 100 people. And then 
at some point ran across an old lady, very short elderly lady, that gave him the ability to kind of restore his body. These kind of little, I don't know, we would call them parasites or worms or something like that inside of his body that will kind of reconstruct his tissue and put him back together so he's almost pretty much immortal. And he kind of made it his purpose to kind of kill 100 men for every good person that he had killed, which is a lot of people. (laughs) And then, like I said, Rin, this girl who's seeking revenge, ends up bumping into him and kind of enlists his help to take take out the Ito Ryu who slaughtered her parents. And so this begins their journey as they seek out all the Ito Ryu and kill them one by one, which is not easy because the Ito Ryu is a kind of group of swordsmen who are very highly skilled. So often leads to Manji losing a lot of limbs over and over again until he eventually kills them with his grit of his teeth. So yeah, that's, that's Blade of Immortal. Lots of killing, lots of blood, lots of decapitations and biting, I guess. You d- you said that that he wins by his teeth or something. Oh, it's kind of his teeth, yeah, kind of a <laughs> phrase there. But yeah, no, it, it was funny because this one I, with every single season, when we have a multi course show, usually we'll get to like the halfway point, and then the next season starts up, and then we have to really hit the new season to get the first impressions on all the shows. And so a lot of shows like this one that are multi core kind of get left behind. And as I was coming back to kind of finish off a lot of shows. I seen Blade of Moral, I'm like, I don't know, I'm like literally like 10 episodes behind, I'm tw- 10 or 12 episodes behind, I'm not sure if I wanted to, and I fire up the, the episode that I was on, and suddenly Manji comes around the corner and, and says something in that awesome Kinjiro Suda voice, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, that's why I love this show, I'm gonna keep watching this. Uh, yeah, Manji's Seiyu just totally made this show for me, every time that he would show up in a really dire situation and just give his gruff voice and laugh and then just drop his swords. It's like way too epic, but no, it's a, I really wasn't too sure starting out because I think the first episode, it had a lot of really weird artistic choices and was really oddly flashy and everything. Uh, but it had a good tone to the art style and everything. It really did fit the setting. Characters look very kind of gruff and, uh, fitting to the, the, the time period, this kind of Edo time period, uh, with the Shogunate and everything. And then at some point, it kind of gets into almost... I almost felt like it was going to get into, like, a Itoro person a, an episode. <laughs> like, this episode, we run into this Itoro guy. We find out what his weird thing is. Manji fights him, is victorious, and then they keep on their travel. Next episode, next Itoro person shows up. But it really felt like really quickly like the eight or 10 episode point, it really did kind of deviate from that and really kind of tried to get more larger than that. Look at the, the bigger picture with the, the Shogunate, um, with the, um, the Shogun's Banshu, that group wanting to take down the Itoru and all these kind of schools of swordsmen are all kind of at each other's throats. And that's where it kind of really does. I, I would almost say it doesn't help it. <laughs> It does kind of expand the characters and and brings a lot more uh, different fighting styles into the picture. But at the same time, it also kind of, I guess, um, convolutes it a lot. Because there's a lot of cases where I'm, I really don't know who they're talking about. Because there's like so many names flying around, so many different schools flying around. So most of the time, I was really kind of focusing on Manji and the Toro and... Uh, 
yeah, of course, probably uh, the Banshu and how they were kind of being involved. But it did get really hip- difficult to kind of follow a lot of the the stories going on and who's <laughs> who's allied with who, pe- who who is with who people and which groups are the good guys. It really, at some point, you just think everybody's bad <laughs> because everybody's just killing people that you kind of start liking and there's just heads flying everywhere and it's really hard to kind of keep an alliance with one side or the other. Which I guess is kind of the the good side of everything is that as it goes on, it gets so chaotic and there's so many characters that they do spend plenty of time with enough that you actually do kind of care about them. I thought that was pretty clever. I, I think <laughs> besides probably uh, She-Ra, which technically is probably the most uh, content warning person of the entire show, uh, I really did enjoy a lot of the characters, even if they were kind of bad guys in some cases. Shinro's is a character that just kind of finds enjoyment out of just brutally murdering people. And uh, every woman he comes across, he kind of mutilates them as he rapes them. He, it's it's really, really bad. It doesn't really show too much, but it shows enough <laughs> that it makes it very uncomfortable to watch. So keep that in mind for, for content warning is... If the moment you see Shinra, just kind of skip the episode, I guess. There's a few times, so you might have to skip a couple episodes. But uh, other than that, I, I really did enjoy a lot of characters. Manji Manji's a weird one, too, because being like this Blade of the Immortal character, he, he really does have this element of he can't die. So the sad thing is they <laughs> they introduced so many awesome swordsmen and, and not just swordsmen, there's like tons of different weapons that a lot of these people kind of use. Um, every time that he runs into one of them, it's almost like he's outclassed every single time <laughs> and will end up being like brutally mutilated. But then it's only the fact that he's able to regen himself, get up and catch him off guard that he actually wins. <laughs> so he's actually That was really- <laughs> pretty much what I got in the first episode or two. <laughs> he's actually a really crappy swordsman. <laughs> he has uh, so many weapons, just gets impaled and killed all the time and then he catches him off guard and kills him because they think he's dead so good on manji it works though because i love his voice every time he gets up and gruffly laughs i just go all right get him manji save ren or whatever you're gonna do i think my only frustration i really had with the show was probably ren i on one hand i did like her i guess i i like the element that she's a character that wants to get to the point that she can exact the revenge that she wants to but at the same time she can't get over her own emotional uh elements that hold her back she's kind of strong but always kind of weak at the same time which is great but i always kind of expected her to do something really fantastic but she never really does she does have some points where she does do really heroic things for manji which i did enjoy but for the most part she really is kind of this I want to be strong and then I'm going to cry the next, two, <laughs> the next two minutes kind of element. So I, I really did struggle with her, but in the end I really, I did, I still like her as a character. Um, Doa and it's, uh, Isuka, Isa, Isaku, uh, Doa and Isaku were probably my favorite pair. Um, Isaku was like this kind of Christian, big, huge guy, um, falling. He ends up running into this girl named Doa who is kind of, abandoned he kind of protects her and brings her with him and of course doa being ryukajimia does kind of help technically but 
they were just a cute little pair because she's always kind of using violence to get what she needs. And he's always kind of like, no, we can't really do this. So they do kind of they don't clash, but they clash in personalities, but they don't clash in in nature. They're really cute to kind of fall around. Magatsu was really probably the most dynamic character they had in the show. He really did kind of have a really awesome change in his character. So just a a really good cast. I, I think the I think the only point in which it that really did kind of feel like it struggled was one the animation. For sure, the animation had a lot of issues. It, it which is really frustrating because there's times where it does it, directing wise it looked beautiful. The shots and everything. Uh, blood splatters, uh, certain really grandiose attacks. Like every time Makie does her like spin attack with her, I don't know what you call them. It's the it's the poles that have the chains that connects the poles and they have blades on the ends. I forget what it's called. She'll like spin it around, just just turn into a shredder that just shreds everything. And she, it looked, she was easily my favorite character in the first few episodes. She it was just so epic the way that she fought. The first time she fought Sumanji, it's like it doesn't want to show half of it. It's just showing, like, random boards on the side of a building. And you're hearing them, like, fighting off camera. <laughs> so it, it, it's frustrating in the fact that I'm, I wanted all these fights to be fully animated. But it, it obviously, they were cutting corners and preventing a lot of that from actually coming to fruition. The later parts, they had more grandiose battles. Looked great. Loved a lot of the fights in the later points. I especially liked a lot of the fights have kind of clever elements to them. Like I said, they had a lot of different fighting styles that started coming into the picture. Uh, <laughs> and the kills were getting a lot better, too. They had some really clever uses of kills. Um, I specifically remember this one part where this guy uh, gets acid on his stomach, and he's nearly dying. So he just takes the enemy's head and just shoves it in his stomach to kill him. <laughs> it was really awesome. Um, I probably shouldn't have spoiled that, but it, it was, it's kind of a good example of a lot of the good fights that they can kind of have when they actually show it. Uh, the biggest, the, the, one of two biggest kind of letdown moments was probably, uh, Brando, who was this doctor that was trying to figure out how to replicate Manji's ability. His descent into madness, I, I just kind of wanted to skip a lot of it because it was just a lot of weird effects on the screen and just dialogue that really didn't really mean much. It really kind of felt boring just kind of watching his descent and how it unanimated it was. And the ending. Unfortunately, it, I don't know if it's that they were trying to cram a lot into the last two episodes or what, but there was a lot of fights that I was really looking forward to and they just they cut to a dead body of one of the characters, uh, you know, several of the characters that I wanted to see them actually fight. It just showed us the aftermath of it. Like, oh, okay, I guess that character's dead. <laughs> I didn't want to f- watch him fight or anything like that. So it really kind of felt like a letdown. They had the last the last epic fight, no dialogue to it. I don't know if that's the same in the manga or not, but a lot of conversations between certain peak characters at the very end, we don't even get any kind of sense of why they're deciding what they're doing or what they're talking about. Are they cordial? Are they violent to each other? It felt like a lot of that was um, a letdown in the end, which was kind of unfortunate, but didn't kill it for me though. It's just, it was unfortunate that it felt like a lot of the fights that I wanted to see didn't really happen. It was a really cool. The, the, the last epic fight was just really good. A lot of the fights in that kind of pair ups were really awesome. Um, Really good, really good series. Um, good style to it. Love the character designs. 
Love the Seiyus. A couple of shrug moments with the, the animation, but maybe it's something they can kind of fix with the, blue, the Blu-ray. Probably not, though. They'll probably keep it the way it is, unfortunately. All right. That's uh, Blade of the Immortal. Really, really awesome. Just because of Kinjiro Sura. <laughs> There's another show in this this review podcast that we'll be talking about that he, he shined in as well. So look forward to that. Somali and the Four Spirit. This one is Somali Tomori no Kamisama. This one is streaming on Crunchyroll run for 12 episodes, done by Studio Satellite. This source is a wabanga. The genres are adventure, slice of life fantasy. And the director was Kenji Yasuda, who did Macross, Plus, uh, Macross Delta and Shugo Chara. So, and this one takes place in kind of a world where it seems like everybody is kind of beast-like humans, or kind of like, uh, you know, bunny people, cat people, harpies, witches, all these kind of things, but except for humans. It seems like there's no humans around. And at some point, this golem, who typically golems will kind of protect different forests and protect the species and keep kind of order in the area, uh, he's kind of uh, alarmed by a creature telling him that there's something somewhere, and he follows it and comes across a young human uh, girl named what she calls later Somali, and kind of tries to get her to leave, but she ends up following him and calling him her dad. And so he kind of gives up and decides to protect her and get her back to where the humans are, where it's apparently there are humans in this world that have been kind of driven out. And so he's trying to take her to those humans. The kind of sad thing that you learn early on is that he's technically at the end of his lifespan. They only can live for so long. And he's like literally at that point, his body's already decaying and he knows that point is coming soon, but he's hoping to get her to human civilization before that happens. So, thus begins our adventures. I'm going to start everything with that. Thus begins our adventures. <laughs> their journey. <laughs> Whatever. So, your thoughts? I really liked the show. I thought it was really adorable. My biggest problem with this show, if you want to, if you're going to force me to say something, no it would probably be that it kind of, um, the balance seemed quite off. It felt like in one hand it was trying to be cute and 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 calm and chill in in a lot of cases and then on the other hand it was trying really hard to get these really kind of um strange dramatic points which worked in the in the instance of the world because this world is 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 really like Andrew was saying this is a beast world and they're talking about humans and they'll be discussing what why the humans were driven off and, and what happened and why those reasons were and all that stuff. Because so it, humans are prejudiced, yeah, even though everybody wants to kill Somali as a human. <laughs> and, and that, that's, that's a lot of the, the thing is it, it, it was really, it, it, it tried really hard to do that and, and explore that, but it, it did it gently and, and kind of just used that as kind of this backdrop for the entire, entire show. But it, when it came to the dramatic beats, it was usually um, some. A lot of the dramatic beats just didn't really fit well. I mean, the story, the stories were good. There was a lot of um, heart in a lot of the the stories that they did do, and I did enjoy them. But it just never really felt like it balanced well. So 
that's that's where my opinion is. I other than that, I really did love the show. It was adorable. A lot of the characters were great characters, um, and the show just looks gorgeous in a lot of cases. I had like extreme uh, connection with the show to something like the Ancient Magus's Bride, where it seems very whimsical and beautiful and. Here's this golem, and he's protecting this girl, and then suddenly, out of nowhere, it's like, oh, that's right. This is kind of a dangerous world. Like, there is still dangerous elements in this world. And I do kind of agree with you, because it it really felt early on that I was never going to really expect anything really dark. <laughs> and then something like would pop up, like uh, Uzoi's story, and then it's like, oh, that backstory, that got dark. <laughs> but it never really felt like there was a... Every time it felt like there was an imminent danger for Somali, it always felt like it just kind of goes, nah, never mind. We're not doing that. And it's like, okay, is this a is this a dark show or not? It only really felt like the backstories were ever dark in the in the entirety of it. It just seemed like everything at the current time is kind of more whimsical with a dark undertone that this could get dangerous. Not really, but it could. It not really. It's not going to get that dark. <laughs> So yeah, it's 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 got a it's got an element that there is a imminent danger. So I do agree with you that it does feel kind of off when at some point it's just ha- Somali screaming Adalsan over and over again and and giggling and running around. But I think that was kind of the point that they were going for is this, this element of like I said, similar to Ancient Magus Bride, where if you go to this one cave, you're probably gonna die. Don't go there. Stay on the and road. And Somali goes running right on <laughs> in there. <laughs> Here's the road, Somali. Stay on this road and then everything is fine. And then Squirrel and then she's going to die. <laughs> and then Golem can chase after her and, and pick her up. So I, I, I'm i fine with it, though. I, I, it didn't bother me. But I, I did agree. I do agree that I didn't really get like a solid idea of is this really a dangerous show or is it – or dangerous world, or is not. So, it seemed like they were just wanted to pound our head that humans are dangerous. So. <laughs> I don't know if it's going for something there, but it, it makes sense. But at the same time, it is. It I think it fully acknowledges itself in the idea of well, everybody wants to kill Somalia. Are they any different kind of thing? So, no, really fascinating world though. Very beautiful. It's it's kind of. I, I can I keep drawing those comparisons here, but similarly to Ancient Magus's Bride. It's it's kind of draw for me, and the thing that I get absorbed in is just the world. It's very beautiful. It's very kind of fleshed out. It feels like a living, breathing environment that I could totally see existing, even though it's everything in it is unbelievable. The problem is that it, similar to Ancient Magus Bride, it kind of just ends there. Like, it ends on just the fact that it's kind of a beautiful world to explore, and you do want to kind of see... Uh, Somali taking all the environments and and explore it with her, you know, very spongy mind of wanting to absorb all this wonder that she's running into, and then that's kind of it. Not really technically this overall story really wasn't there. The kind of any kind of character progression wasn't really there. It was just kind of a story per episode that it was really kind of presenting, and that was, I guess, the only thing that I would really kind of give it negative on is that I didn't really get anything outside of that that i kind of wanted you do get kind of insights into the history with the humans you get an insight into why the humans are should technically be gone uh really i think uh 
Uzoe's and Haitori Haitora story was probably the best. The the harpy, I think their story was was fantastic. Didn't really get much. I, I think the the librarian or the the witches, I like that stuff was really awesome. Uh, she just she was a cool character. Outside of that, I, I think like the the whole thing with uh, Kikila was kind of boring <laughs> when they were in the town and and they were just kind of working at the bar. It kind of got boring for a while there, but other than that, it was it was pretty a pretty magical show. Just a nice little exploration of a really cool little created environment and world. Yeah. Anything else? No, I, 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 like I said, I, it, it was an adorable show. Just like I said, just felt off balance. Yep, Somalia and the Four Spirit. Check that out if that sounds interesting. It invaded, or ID invaded, whatever you want to call it. Ran from uh, Funimation for thirteen episodes, done by Studio Naz or Naz. The source is original. The genres are mystery and sci-fi, and the director was Aoki Aoki, who did uh, Anoa Zero and uh, Fate Zero. And the script was done by Maijo Otaro, who did The Dragon Dentist. And this one kind of takes place in modern Japan. Uh, it kind of follows a special police squad called the Kura. And they use this system called the Mizuhanome system to uh, essentially, whenever somebody uh, with the intent to kill performs something... They usually got, kind of go to crime scenes and stuff, and they, the people of this Kuda police squad, they will use this kind of, I don't know, what do you want to call it, little device? I don't think they ever named what it was called, <laughs> which will kind of detect these cognition particles because people with the intent to kill will leave behind these cognition particles, and they can kind of hone in on that and then send that data that, that back to the uh, Mizu Hanome. <laughs> I hate saying that name. <laughs> which will then create an idwell. And this idwell is kind of this uh, cognition of the killer. And then they can take these people that they kind of call pilots, which are essentially the only people that can go into these idwells are people that have actually killed somebody. And so the main character pretty much is Akihito, who is one such person who back in his past, his uh, daughter was killed by one of these serial killers and he took revenge himself and got jailed for it and now he works as a pilot to help them take out these um these criminals so he goes into these edwells and it's almost like uh kind of takes his his mind and, and projects it into this edwell and so he's standing within it but it gives him a different persona it's a, a self of him that he calls uh, sakaido and he has no memory of his past self and Every single time he enters one, he always runs into this killed this girl that's dead named Kairu. And Kairu is, whenever he sees her, it reminds him who he is, which is Sakaido, and that he's a genius and that he must – he's a genius detective and he must kind of solve what's happening in this particular idwell. And each of the idwells of each of these kind of killers has its own kind of theme or something that's being projected in there, often kind of – represents them as a person and then he must kind of go in there and figure out information within that to give the detectives some kind of hit hint at where the criminals at so they can track them down and find them it's very weird 
It's very complicated, much more complicated now that I have to explain it. <laughs> uh, but essentially, psychopaths, but entering virtual reality worlds that are the cognitions of bad guys and to, to track them out down and, and take them down. This one is was truly fascinating to me. I really did like what they created here. It was kind of a almost like a like I said, I joked about earlier. It's kind of like a jumping into virtual worlds of the minds of killers through this system. Even though it's not a virtual world, they're actually going to the cognition of them. Uh, you kind of figure out more about how that technically works later on, and I'm not going to spoil things, but just to be simple, it's kind of them jumping into the virtual mind of the killer and then trying to use that to find out where they're at. So randomly something, like maybe somebody pops into that world suddenly they can realize, well, if that person's there, then obviously the killer just seen them or something like that. Which is really fascinating. Getting into the mind of them and really kind of tracking down what makes them tick. Later on, getting more into how the system was created and what it means for the characters that are kind of involved was was cool as well. Uh, I think uh, Sakaido, not really so much Sakaido, but the uh, Akihito, who is the actual person, Getting into his backstory, which was really kind of, yes, very tragic, very brutal. What happened to his daughter was uh, was great as well. Uh, was a great little story. Kind of getting this moment where he can kind of see how things could have been towards the later part was was pretty emotional. I thought it was a, a pretty cool little twist. It was it was a good watch. I I don't think I really had any problems with it overall. I think a lot of the characters were great. Now I, I'd probably say the only. I guess negative was probably the the other Kuda police officers in the kind of Mizo uh, Hanome kind of chamber that's just kind of examining things. I really got nothing really much out of all of them as characters except for maybe Momoki. Momoki was the uh, was Akihito's partner back in the day when he was a police officer. He had a lot going for his character, but pretty much all the other characters that were in that room just seemed like to be kind of blank characters that were just yelling out random stuff. I guess it's kind of similar to something like Evangelion where you have yeah, there's the two characters in there that say a lot of interesting things but the rest of the people in the background have no purpose or meaning there. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a good watch getting into the minds of all the, the, the different criminals that they're kind of trying to track down the interesting different ids that they go into that have all their own little themes to them. Kind of more warpy moments that it gets for later parts where it kind of gets to that whole I guess dream within a dream element was was pretty. Uh, I guess I wouldn't say too complicated to, to follow, but it did kind of bring up a lot of questions about how the system works, and I, I think it does let you draw your own conclusion with a couple cases of that. But in the end, it was it was a cool little mind twist towards the later parts, kind of figure out how going here and then going here gets to here. <laughs> that kind of stuff trying to trying to map it out in your mind how this exactly works uh was pretty fascinating it was just a cool little cool little story uh kind of a detective story turned on its head with a really cool little uh mind jumping twist so i really did enjoy it good i'm kind of half and half on the styling of the character designs i think some of them look great some of them are kind of more oh that's an interesting decision there uh, did some cool thing with some of the with some of the villains. There was some characters that did kind of had redemptions to their character who were, you know, on the more 
pathological side, getting a little bit of a, a redeeming aspect to them. Uh, Kaidu's story was was pretty fascinating, uh, although very, very tragic, <laughs> as you can probably imagine by the first couple episodes, you always realize Kaidu is always dead. Um, so obviously something's not good with Kaidu, uh, but getting into her backstory was, was, while tragic, was cool as well. Um, everybody has cool, but tragic backstories. Are you saying that Hole in the Head got a redemption story? Yes, actually. <laughs> not Denshin. He can die in a fire, but, uh, yeah. Well, Hole in the Head was the only one that I could see that I kind of spoilerly seen was being used later, so. He kind of was a character that you, again, this is the path. I, I understood what they were doing. Side. I understood what they were doing towards the end of it. It was like, okay, I see where you're going with this, so, yeah. Well, that's one of those, it's one of those elements of the pathological side where, they see what they're doing as beneficial to the person they're doing it to. And so his whole thing was that he felt that everybody should have this hole in their head, just like he does because he feels like he has some benefit to doing that. So I, I guess he technically was left open for something like that, especially after mm-hmm. messing with the uh, Hondo. Hondo was cool, even though she looked like she was 14 years old. And apparently she was a 20 year old. I don't know if she was 20. I think she was like more like 17. It's usually 17. 17 is the golden numbers apparently for all young looking characters to still be. Yeah. Japan. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool little, cool little mind twisting detective jump into worlds of the minds of killers story with some cool little jumps and twists towards the later part. I thought it was really cool. So that's, uh, that's it invaded. Check that out. If that sounds fascinating to you, uh, all the props to Naz, I'm, I'm guessing it's because they got a better budget, especially being that director Al Aoki was working with them, and he's technically somebody who has gotten a lot of fame here recently with, you know, Fate Zero and El Novo Zero. So I was glad because, I mean, we just came off of what was Naz did, the the invasion of the Mongolians. What was that? Anglemois. Um, Anglemois. And they struggle with that a lot. And it seemed like with this one, they... They helped. They uh, they held it together the entire time, which was very, very awesome. It's so funny. I did they just... do Angamoys? Yeah, Angamoys. And uh, my girlfriend is a gal. They're not really known for doing really. Fant- my sister, my writer, looked bad. <laughs> Angamoys had a good style to it too, but it just struggled with the fighting scenes. And that's technically the in the invasion of the Mongolians is a lot of fighting. <laughs> But with this one, they kept it together. I mean, there was a. It seemed like there was a little bit of use of CGI, but it fit with the the id, the ids that they're in and everything. So it worked in the end. I think it looked really great. I'm sorry, you were saying something. Nothing. Forgot. <laughs> Nothing important at the moment. Uh, toilet bound Hanako-kun or Jubaku uh, Shonen Hanako-kun. This one is streaming on Funimation and Hulu. Ran for twelve episodes. Done by Studio Lursh, the source is a manga, and the genres are comedy, supernatural, school, and shonen. This one was done by director Masaomi Ando, who did Hakume Tomikochi, uh, Astro Lost in Space, and Scum's Wish, which makes perfect sense. Uh, this one follows a girl named Nene, and she goes to the uh, Kamome Academy, which is known to have seven wonders, which I technically a lot of schools seem to have different wonders in them. It seems to be a common theme in a lot of anime, so mm-hmm. I'd assume it's real. 
this particular one. I'm assuming one, it's a thing in Japan. We don't really know. <laughs> we didn't grow up there, but seems to be like, a thing. Just like uh, everybody else thinks that if you eat a lot of spinach, you turn into pie pie uh, for Americans. But anyways, it, it follows Nene, and she's going to the school, and at some point she tries to get the assistance of one said uh, Seven Wonders, which was the toilet-bound Hanako-kun, which she thought would be a female because it was in the women's beth re- restroom, but ends up being a boy. And this boy, Hanako, ends up uh, kind of trying to just assist her in doing it. Doesn't necessarily want to grant a wish because there's actually kind of a darker element to actually granting a wish. And so he kind of just tries to assist her outside of doing that. And it doesn't turn out very well. But then later on, she kind of gets frustrated and eats one of these kind of things inside of this bag that he has, which ends up being a scale from a mermaid, which kind of binds them together because she now kind of is has the flesh of a mermaid inside of her, and she's being haunted by certain things. So then that kind of turns into this thing of more exploring all these wonders of this academy and possibly trying to fix certain uh, twisted lores behind different um, yokai, so to speak, within this this school and the, how the rumors kind of affect them and eventually just kind of exploring all the wonders and Hanako's dark past that we never really got a true explanation on, but we can assume certain things, I guess. Uh, so yeah, Toilet-bound Hanako-kun, what's your thoughts? I, I actually really enjoyed the show. I, I thought it did really well at um, maintaining this really dark humor. Um, it has this kind of creepy, cute um, art style that I really, really enjoyed. I love the the kind of um, darker tones the along with its kind of a faded look to it. So I, I really liked it. I love uh, love the artwork and everything like that. So, yeah. So this one having a contrast cutesy dark worked. Yeah. Somalis didn't. <laughs> no, I, I love the art style. Very unique, very kind of chunky, very, you know, thick borders and everything. I do really love the art style of this show. Now... Where it comes to an issue was the animation, which or their lack thereof. Uh, it really did feel like, and this is Masami Ando's kind of thing as a director. He did it with Scum's Wish heavily. Did a little bit with Maka, uh, Hakame and Tomikochi. He seems to really like to be a little bit over the top of trying to make it true to the manga. And that he usually always kind of puts the panels like right in the show. And so half the time the show was just kind of just panels sliding on the screen and sliding off the screen and then cut to another shot panels moving on the screen, moving off of the screen. And that was a really frustrating thing that I had is even though I really love the art style, it didn't really feel like it moved much. And that's where my frustration came in is that I'm like, I just might as well read the manga <laughs> at this point. I'm not now granted. You do get the voice acting, which totally makes it, Hanaku's Seiyu is fantastic. I always love the work that she does. And she did a fantastic time with, with uh, job with Hanako. In that she got she has that kind of very deep and when she wants to gets that very nice mischievous voice in there that just brings Hanako to life. I love that 
she very mischievous, dark. This, that that character, she does such yeah. an awesome job with it. She made that character, and Hanako ended up being like this thing that made this show. Well, of course, it is technically he's in the title, but him as a character came to life like nothing else. I loved that character, um, just because you never really knew. Like, is he a bad thing? Is he okay thing? And he always had this moment where he would do something really mischievous and it seems really dark and he loves torturing Nene that you're like, I don't know about this guy. <laughs> he seems pretty <laughs> evil. You probably should get away, Nene. Um, but that was what made it. That's really technically what made the show. So I, I, I do I do, I do, do struggle because I, I think everything in the show was great. I liked it. I liked the characters. They worked great. I think certain elements or certain storylines were a little bit more boring than the rest of them. Like, uh, even though I liked Ko's story with uh, uh, Sosuke, I think that it kind of went on a little bit too long. It's just the the animation was the only thing that really did kind of frustrate me. I wanted it to move more. I wanted it to be more lively and more an anime, <laughs> not so much a what do they call them the two point five mangas uh, <laughs> animated mangas storylines two point seven five. Yeah, you get a little more digits in there, I guess. I, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was a it was a kind of a fascinating world. I think the only thing that I was a little bit disappointed by was I think we talked about in our first impressions. They were discussing, I think, in the third episode, just before we did our impressions, or maybe it was in the fourth. They were discussing this idea that you can change the elements of these uh, these wanders in this school by rumors. So if if you can spread the rumor that this thing will kill you if you don't leave a seed on a windowsill before you leave the school. That thing will want to kill people that don't leave a seed on the windowsill. But if you were to start a rumor that, say, it will wave at you as you walk out the school, if you don't leave the seed on it, he will then wave instead of want to kill people. And I thought that was going to be a really cool thing that they can kind of explore but they never really ever did it again. They used it against the characters for a certain character, but it was never really kind of gotten into ever again. After that point in which they kind of manipulated one character, it never went into it again, which I thought that was kind of going to be the theme of it. Instead, it kind of turned more into, here's the Seven Wonders, and they're all kind of these different beings that rule different areas and almost like a power struggle between those. So... Kind of felt like a a, a missed well, opportunity. Changing, changing the rumors seemed to be the way they introduced the new character, the new mon- the new wonder, and that kind of lost its flavor. And you just throw the stupid thing out there and, and let's deal with it. There's better way of doing it, right? But then it kind of just turns into here's the, the seven wonders, and there's a power struggle. Mm-hmm. That then it kind of just petered. No, off no, me. no. That was that at the end. Whenever they introduced a new wonder, that's how they were doing it. They were changing the the rumor. That's why it became a thing. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. Anything else? No, I, I got what I wanted to say. Yeah. Toilet bound Hanako-kun. Check that one out if that sounds interesting. Bofuri. I don't want to get hurt, so I'll max out my defense or. Itai no wa iya nano de bogyorukyo ni kyoku furi shitai to omoimasu. I have a bad feeling about next episode. <laughs> about next episode? <laughs> yes, because all the good ones are over here, it seems like. 
seems like. I don't know why you bring that up now. I don't know. Streaming on Funimation and Hulu, around for 12 episodes. They have a second season announced for it. Uh, studio is Silverlink, Source is Light Novel, Sound are Action, Adventure, Sci-Fi, Comedy, and Fantasy. And this one had two directors, Shin Unuma, uh, did Fate Collide, Liner, Prisma, Ilya, C3, Baku to Test, Unhappy, Koro Connect, yada yada yada. Uh, series composition was done by Fumihiko Shimo, who did Clonade, Air, Golden Time, and New Game. And this one follows a girl named, I don't remember what her real name was, but <laughs> this girl that ends up joining a VR MMO RPG called New World Online, thanks to the kind of suggestion of her friend, who is a kind of a pro gamer, so to speak. And so she decides to jump into this VR MMO, uh, even though her friend was, at the time, being punished by her parents and having to study, uh, she decides to jump in without her, and not really knowing much about the game, she starts to kind of put all of her points into defense because she doesn't really know how to play the game. She just doesn't want to be hurt, so she just maxes out her defense and then kind of find out that pretty much nothing can really hurt her after kind of testing it out, even though she's extremely slow because she has, like, no... What was it agility or dexterity? I think it was dexterity. Something for speed. She just has nothing but defense. And then later on, she kind of gets notoriously known as being, like, this char- this person that has kind of done something that kind of transcends the game and breaks things and then her friend finally joins her and does her own ways of kind of maxing herself out and eventually makes a guild where everybody has their own little thing they kind of max out and then they do different events and then the game gets patched to try to fix what she does (laughs) and then everybody constantly says maple she does crazy things maple oh that maple she does crazy things Thoughts on Bafuri? <laughs> I absolutely had a blast with the show. This it's so goofy, over the top. the The only the only thing that I guess I would detract from it, if anything, is sometimes. And and this is kind of one of the things that we've mentioned before, as far as overpowered characters. Because no matter how you look at it, she becomes an overpowered character, and it becomes kind of they do balance it here and there but it still becomes just maple's too strong and nobody can beat her now that that's the gist of the show and that tends to become to its detriment however that aside this show is just so obnoxiously over the top with everything that it does. She does so many goofy things. She randomly pops up with these weird things that she has found in some weird cave somewhere. It's so much fun and so goofy. It's just over the top. I loved it. I was kind of unfortunately very bored watching the show. (laughs) And I really hate that because as if people listen to our preview, I was I was pretty excited for this because like it's the Mashu, it's when Mashu gets her own show. So the Shield Girl gets her own show, and I was really really hype on it. And I thought it was gonna be like my sugar show of the season, but it was just extremely boring, <laughs> unfortunately. And I think it's because it has kind of similar what you said. It has the wise man's grandchild ish kind of uh, curse in the idea that it just turns into. Uh, an OP character flexing and everybody going, oh, that's great. You look so amazing. And the main character flexes and then everybody goes, wow, that flex, that was so amazing. 
And it just got really kind of repetitive very quickly in that pretty much guesstimating here, 90% of the show is her doing something really overpowered and everybody going, wow, Maple did this. Wow, Maple did this. Wow, Maple's scary. Maple did this. And then she kind of goes giggle, giggle and turns around and and they walk on. So that that's my that's my struggle. I think it, it, it started out pretty funny. I think the first episode I really enjoyed. Second episode was okay. But I think by the third episode, I had that kind of, oh no, <laughs> what are they going to do with this show? Is this going to be, is this going to be it? But I figured, cause it was talking about like the levels, uh, uh, the levels of the, the world that they were kind of creating. So they were like talking about how they had this another level that was created. And so they had to go to this gate, go through the next level. And then they got to that next level where their things were kind of harder. Just really quickly got thrown out the window <laughs> and it just kind of really just got focused on more people finding random skills and becoming overpowered and then fighting other guilds. And that that's where it kind of just lost me. I think the only decently funny thing they went into was when Maple ran into an NPC who had a quest to help her save her daughter. But then again, that one just ended in she got another OP ability that she could now use. But it was funny, kind of the, the dialogue that she was running into. Like, oh, I think this is going to continue on, <laughs> isn't it? And then suddenly a prompt comes up in front of her. Um, that was probably the, the only funny part that I ran into. Uh, I thought the May and Yui were kind of cute for two seconds and they became overpowered. So then I kind of shut down on that one too. <laughs> I don't know. I, I wanted to, I really badly wanted to enjoy it. I thought it looked cute. Character designs were great. Um, it just got too wise man grandchild for me to enjoy it. So I kind of shut down pretty quickly, which frustrates me because of all the shows that I want second seasons of this season, this one got one. So I'm happy for maybe I don't know maybe the second season will be do, going to something interesting. We'll, we'll see, but um, yeah, didn't work for me, but it's fine. Both footy, I didn't want to get hurt, so I maxed out my defenses. I would probably say that was my biggest disappointment of the season. Not that it's a bad show, just that I was really excited for it and it didn't work for me at all, <laughs> which sucks because I really needed a sugar season this or a sugar show this season, and about where I got it was from Seton Academy, <laughs> which is our next show. <laughs> I think Satan Academy ended up being my only kind of perk up show of the of this season. But uh yeah, Satan Academy, join the pack or Murenase Satanic Gakuen. This one's straight on Crunchyroll for twelve episodes, done by Studio Gokumi. The sources of manga and the genres are comedy and school. And this one follows a guy named Jin, who even though he despises animals. He goes, he is, I don't know if he, he was sent or if he just went to, I think he was sent to Seton Academy, which is a school of pretty much all animals, except for one girl, Hitomi, who thankfully is there because that's like the only reason he doesn't like, I guess, give up on life is that at least one human girl is at this school and he will pursue her as much as he possibly can. Uh, but yes, the... Now, I guess the big question that's coming up, if nobody's seen anything on this, is they're going to a school full of animals. They're technically animal people, but they're personified animals in kind of, you know, all the females have, you know, human faces, but they have, like, animal ears and human bodies. And all of the males all have kind of very big and more gruffy bodies, most of them anyways, except for, like, deers and stuff. Um, and they have animal heads, so it's kind of a weird thing where they, they, all the girls still get human faces, so that you can 
have cute animal girls. <laughs> Doesn't get too furry for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, he, uh, he goes to school and he quickly bumps heads with a wolf girl named Ranka. And Ranka is trying to create a pack because there's no other wolves there. And so she's kind of forcing Jin to try to join his, her pack. And then, like I said, he kind of starts pursuing this girl named Hitomi, who is the only human there. And Hitomi wants to create a uh, cooking club. And so he ends up joining the cooking club. And then over time, even though Jin really hates animals, over time, different animals kind of join the the cooking club. And interspecies relations happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it's kind of a theme that they have kind of in the background where they technically have packs within this, you know, world of animal people, but what Jin is doing, even though he hates animals, is essentially making different species come together to do something, which is cooking and stuff, so it's not a food food porn show, so don't get me wrong, it's just he's There is some food porn reluctantly <laughs> food porn. It's even it's even censored. Fecal porn. <laughs> Fecal food porn. That was so wrong. So your thoughts on Seton Academy? I the, this was probably the biggest surprise of the season for me. Now, this I, I say surprise, not my favorite. It's just it was a show that yeah, I wanted to see the cute um, the cute wolf girl and 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 finding out Tama was in this show was even more of a icing on the cake. But it really wasn't a show that I was really kind of I I was interested in, but it wasn't one that I was really super hype for so when it came out and it just kind of took us by at least me by by surprise i really really enjoyed myself watching the show i i volley mammoths all all the day all all the time it it just was so much fun just goofiness all the way across uh little uh tidbits of uh animal uh things about those animals was really fun to toy with and so yeah it was a great show yeah i think the, the oddly interesting thing is that even though it kind of for the most part they'll like introduce maybe one or two different types of animals that they'll kind of you know, they'll have a interaction with so to speak and they always have like this goofy little thing where even though again jen hates animals he'll come out and like be very informative about like no you're this way because this is your thing and then it kind of just diffuses the situation. Again, even though he really hates animals, he's very informative about animals. <laughs> but it was always like this element of like, well, they're having this issue trying to figure out this character. And then he goes, oh, well, that's because of this. And they're like, oh, really? Yeah, okay. And then they kind of move on. Uh, it, I did. I was very surprised by the fact that every single character that kind of is introduced in the show were just laugh out loud funny. I think there was not a single character that didn't have some weird quirk to them that I didn't find hilarious. Having like Komori and her oddly interest in certain types of food, <laughs> <laughs> Miyubi and the the her dying joke never got old, and how slow she is because she's a sloth was 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 excellent. Uh, Mei Mei was an absolute treat. She's very kind of over overly full of herself as a panda, and how that kind of com- conflicts with Jin's opinion of animals and how she oddly finds that distancing nature appealing <laughs> i guess uh miki was an, it was like probably one of my favorites even though she's not much <laughs> in the show 
<laughs> she's a naked mole rat. <laughs> and she comes out to the the hallways and <laughs> it shows her pers- her point of view at the people in the hallway and everybody is who censored. are in their clothes <laughs> is the, they mosaic their uniforms because the way that she sees it everybody's naked and it's shameful and her normal aspect of being a naked mall rap is that they think that they need to be naked <laughs> i thought that was way dorky but she was a really cute character and her her uh her episode with jim was a lot of fun too no, I just I liked a lot of characters. Kana's story was very surprisingly solid. I I didn't think that I would actually get a a little bit of an emotional drive at the end of that whole kind of quick, very quickly concluding story of the other school that had the dolphins and stuff in it. It was very surprising. And the show ends with a fight against two lollies. Mm-hmm. What's not to like about a show that's climax is two lollies fighting it out in a ring? There's something very very special about that. But yeah, I, I there wasn't an episode that I didn't I, there wasn't an episode that I didn't just you know laugh out loud. Um, loved the characters; they were great. I kind of miss them in the end. <laughs> but uh, I, I think the biggest surprise was probably the fact that Ronka didn't get on my nerves because her seiyu in a previous show you would have you would have thought the way I that she it. the way that she was at the very beginning you would have thought that would have gotten annoying by the end of the show and. They never overplayed that, and so I was very happy of that. Well, the thing was that that, that her the reason why I didn't the her seiyu works great as Ronka. Her seiyu did an awesome job with Ronka. Uh, totally fit her. Great personality. Very hyper. Worked great. I, I think the problem was that with her seiyu and Asabi Asabase. She was screaming all the time, and that got very grating. So, thankfully, Ronka didn't scream all the time. So, that worked for her in this one. So, I loved it. So, yeah. I, like I said, I, <laughs> the, king, the King Lion and the, the, and the Impala was just dorky. Every time the King and the Impala showed up, I was just knew that was in for a treat no matter what happened. This this lion that falls in love with the with an Impala and... She always runs away and says that she's not in heat. She's not in heat. And when she was in heat, oh, wow. He still had to get favor from the father. <laughs> oh, that was, that was dork. Crazy show. Yeah. Had a little bit of etchy in there, which was kind of surprising because I don't think anything kind of listed as uh, the manga as being etchy. Um, so a little bit of etchy in there. Just keep that in mind. Uh, yeah. Loved every episode of it. Was a lot of fun. Really over the top. A uh, little bit oddly informative. Uh, got a little bit of a tell. What was it? Uh, honey Badger. I was trying to think of the Japanese name. But yeah, Honey Badger. Rattel? 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 Is the Japanese name? Probably. Yeah. So got a little bit of killing bites in here. <laughs> <laughs> Another lolly. That's lo- near invincible. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's killing bites, but a lolly. <laughs> oh, she was goofy. <laughs> she really great. badly wanted to join. Uh, Ronka's sister's uh, pack. <laughs> she beats the crap out they're of like, her. They're like, they're like, you, you, uh, you can't handle these big old things. And and she's like, no fear, just standing right in front of him. Like that's totally Honey Badger. <laughs> Very old school comedy type intro too. I've kind of felt like uh, vibes of uh, Nuichigu with that one. But yeah, Sit on Academy. Check that out if that sounds interesting to you. 
Next one is Fate Grand Order Absolute Demonic Front Babylonia. Or Fate Grand Order Zetai Maju Sinsen Babylonia. This one streamed for 21 episodes on Funimation. Uh, the uh, They also had at the very end an announcement for the Final Signalarity, which I guess I can technically explain that to you <laughs> when I explain the show. Um, yeah, Studio has Cloverworks. The source is a game. The genres are action, fantasy, magic, and supernatural. Director was Toshifumi Akai, who did Shelter and character designs for Kokoro Connect and Grand Blue Fantasy, as well as Soro Nowoto. And, um, yeah. For those that don't know, it's based off of a mobile game, Fate Grand Order, which technically has a really good story, even though it's a mobile game. <laughs> it has, a Basically, it's a story about... Technically, when the game came out, it was, like, in 2015. They foreseen that mankind was going to come to an end, and since they foreseen that, they created kind of this this kind of organization of mages that were going to use a kind of a time traveling system that would send them back into time to try to obtain these grails that are kind of warping the history of mankind and causing it to come to an end. And within this game, they use the grails to make their wife who's stronger. Yeah. Make them up to level hundred. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and in the game, you go to each of these singularities, which are these different time periods that these different, Holy Grails are at. And this particular adaptation is for the seventh singularity that they go to, which is in Mesopotamia in 2655 BC. They go to Uduk, where uh, the King Gilgamesh is, and it's kind of this last standing fortress of mankind who is currently being kind of wiped out of existence by these demonic fronts that are, or de demonic groups that are coming to attack them. And uh, so Ritsuka, along with Mash, goes there and kind of enlists the help of Gilgamesh, who then quickly tells him to do things. <laughs> so they go around the, the area trying to solve mysteries, figure out what's causing this, and track down Gorgon and, and try to take down Tiamat in the end. Um, very kind of interesting story. They, they have this kind of this, um, this alliance of goddesses that they kind of have to try to break in order to gain the strength they need to... Um, kind of take on the the enemy at hand, which was kind of cool because you have characters like Ishtar, um, Irishka Gil kind of all getting involved, which was a lot of fun as well. But yeah, um, I kind of admitted with our first impressions, I have no clue about the story when I came into it. I play uh, Fate Grand Order a lot. I have a lot invested in it. I have gone all the way to the end of it um, that we currently have anyways. Um, I really do love Fate Grand Order, mainly because I love the characters and everything, but I always, every time a new singularity comes out, I'm always too kind of rushing to get through it, and I don't have the time to kind of sit there and read the story as it's going along, so I kind of really like these adaptations because I'm finally getting the story that I kind of skipped, and um, this was one that I was actually looking forward to in the idea that it was, you know, had Gilgamesh, Ereshka Gil, uh, Ishtar, uh, Ushiwakamaru, a lot of characters that I really love were in the singularity, so getting their story was was fantastic. Now, the frustrating thing is, and like I guess the the first thing to really address is, was this to anybody that don't play Fate, Fate Grand Order? And um, I think I kind of mentioned it a little bit in our our Fate Talk podcast that we did. Is this one is kind of one of those ones where I think you can jump into it if you just watch the Fate Grand Order. I think it's called First Order, which is a really quick movie that I believe is also on Crunchyroll that will give you the introduction story of, okay, here's where it all kind of starts. 
they go to the first singularity. It kind of opens up the story of why they go into the other singularities. And then you can jump right into the seventh singularity because technically each of the singularities have these kind of self-contained uh, stories. Now, there's revelations within each one of them that might affect the other singularities, but each of the stories within that singularity is that time period and the struggle that they're fighting there. So I do think you can watch the First Order and jump right into this one and thoroughly enjoy it. The big shock that I had with this one was that I didn't think Cloverworks was going to do a good job on it, but as we kind of learn really quickly when it comes to uh, Delightworks and the Fate franchise, they will dump money into it and it will succeed. <laughs> so we always joked about the whole uh, unlimited money's works uh, with Ufootable, and it kind of worked as well with Cloverworks, which gives me a little bit of hope that the other studios that are working on different singularities will do a good job. Um, but no, this one, uh, particularly, I did enjoy getting into Ishtar's story. Ariskasil's story was great. Um, the kind of determination that Leonidas had in Ushwakamaru protecting Uruk. Um, fantastic look into the mind of Gilgamesh. King Gilgamesh was fantastic. He's kind of this uh, character that <laughs> he doesn't really see his people as you know worth. He kind of sees the kingdom as a worth. And the way that he really kind of portrays that is something that even though I don't really kind of follow that mentality, I totally respect him. And it's kind of like one of those different viewpoints of Gilgamesh because we always get Gilgamesh's archer who is kind of this very, I'm full of myself. You're all maggots. Get out of my way. This is kind of a Gilgamesh that had a little bit more heart that you can kind of find if you wait a little bit, I guess. <laughs> um, Merlin was a fantastic character as well. I, I, I guess it's it's one of those things where to anybody that's not a Fate Grand Order or a Fate Series fan, the thing you're still going to find something here, and that's the fact that the show is full of action. It's from beginning to end, every episode is just full of really epic, over the top action that I loved every bit of it. Um, like I said, I, I'm very surprised that Cloverworks did as well as they did, but to have pretty much. Some episodes, it seemed like the entire episode was a fight scene <laughs> towards the later parts, and it is from beginning to end action. And I was blown away by the fact that they kept that together. The only negative there is that certain bigger enemies like Gorgon and Tiamat fully CGI, and it did kind of look like this robotic thing, stiff robotic thing sitting there as everybody's attacking it. Um, that was very disappointing. Um, but then it was times where you had like Ushiwakamaru fighting Gorgon and running up her snake arms and just it looked epic. So even if you're not a huge fan of the Fate franchise, I think you'll get enjoyment out of the fact that it's just a really cool action show with great, uh, unique characters all fighting for just to, to save the world. And that can be simple enough to enjoy it. And you're talking 21 episodes of just epic fights all the way through it, which is which is fantastic. Um, but as a fan of Fate, of course, I'm going to have a huge bias to it because these are all characters I love. I love Ishtar, her goofy Sundere, uh, Rin Tasaka type of uh, character being kind of thrown in there. Enkidu. I didn't actually. This is this is one of those cool things because there's there's certain characters in the Fate franchise that I never get a perspective of until I watch a show and then I fall in love with them. Uh, I did that with um, Fate Extra. Had no care for Nero whatsoever. 
Then I watched Fade Extra, and I'm like, I love Nero as a character. Um, this one was for me, Enkidu. Suddenly, I want Enkidu in the game because I really did like Enkidu's story. Uh, of course, Enkidu's very kind of tied in with Gilgamesh. Um, they have a backstory together, and their relationship is kind of one of those kind of conflicting things with this particular part of it, um, just because of what Enkidu is in this time period. Um, didn't have care for Quetzalcoatl, ended up falling in love with Quetzalcoatl towards the end of it, even though she has that kind of uh, very luchador kind of uh, demeanor to her that I'm not really huge on. Um, fell in love with Uchiwakamaru all over again because I've always loved her. Uh, Anna was great. Just a just a full crazy cast of characters that all have like over the top amazing abilities and watching them duke it out. I think the only thing that's kind of the my only negative for this show is that Ritsuka's in it, not the female protagonist. But that's okay. He's kind of a boring character. <laughs> He's just kind of just a boring, no-name character. And that's, I guess it's one of the only downfalls that it really does feel like he is kind of a silent protagonist that's trying to be a protagonist with a voice, and it just doesn't really work. Um, we'll just say that Mash is the protagonist. That work. Just make Mash the protagonist. It is kind of upsetting that they didn't really bring in a lot of the other characters. I mean, it does seem like it kind of follows the story and that the idea that it doesn't really kind of bring in other characters. So a lot of the time when Ritsuka's fighting, he's using Mash. And it's like, Mash doesn't kill anything. I don't know why they keep having Mash go out there and fight things. Have him summon, I don't know, one of the many servants that he's ran into through all the singularities. Bring freaking, I don't know... John Dalter in there and fight something. Why does it have to be just him and Mash beating up things? I guess it does let the characters of that singularity really kind of shine, like Anna, Ushiwakamaru, Ishtar, and all them, but it would have been cool if they brought him. I mean, they did technically in the later part bring in certain characters, but I, I think it would have been livening up a little bit if they brought in more for it, but that'd be my that'd be my only negative. So yeah, really fantastic. Loved it. think they did a phenomenal job on it uh props to cloverworks um or whoever's paying for it to make it that good looking um but they did a fantastic job on it not looking forward to buying it because it'll probably be 300 dollars like always with anaplex of america but yeah you just watch next time they'll give you that zero star who they'll do the next the next singular and they'll do another singularity and they'll just put us that zero star character and then they'll put a big o sign this is for you andrew as some kind of a troll for you. Mm. Angry Manya? Angry Manya. Oh, gotcha. So, yeah. Uh, I think if I were to put it in my list, it's going to be probably below, like, uh, Fate Zero and Unlimited Blade Works. So that, that franchise is, like, just below there. It did definitely do a lot better job with the storytelling and characters than something like Apocrypha did. Um, probably even better than uh, Fate Extra. Though Fate Extra had more... Uh, deep dive into the world and characters where this one was more action and characters. So they do have their own flavors there, but um, they did, they did an, ex- an excellent job on it. I really did like it. And like I said earlier, I alluded to it, but I got sidetracked. Uh, they did announce at the very end that they are doing the final singularity, the grand temple of time Solomon. So that's pretty cool. So hopefully Cloverworks does an awesome job on that as well, but uh, we will, we will see. Big Grand Order, Absolute Demonic Front, Babylonia. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Very gory too, so keep that in mind. Not, not 
excessive, but there's there's some slaughter that happens. It's a it's a pretty it's a singularity that things go real bad for uh, the kingdom. So smile down the runway or runway de Warate. This one streamed on Funimation ran for twelve episodes. Uh, totally thought that they announced this second season at the very end there, but apparently not. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I don't know if they did that on purpose. Um, What'd they say? Because I didn't catch it. It it showed the. Uh, I'm showing Chris here for a second. Uh, the way that the the logo for the show is uh, runway de Warata. Uh, the way that the logo is for that one, the day they actually changed the color of the two notches. And I never noticed that through the entire show. They kept showing oh. that logo, and it had those two notches, and it's just the the way that they did the font for it. And so when they finally showed at the very end, they just splash screen the entire logo at the very end of the show. I'm thinking, there's a two there. It's got to be a sequel. No, it's just that's always been the logo. It doesn't have a two on it. That's just, yeah, it looks like a Roman numeral tool, so that's that's what threw me off. So anyways. I'm sure I'll probably get a second season. We'll, we'll see. If not, it'll end up like skip beat and just kind of just stop and never conclude. Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> done by studio is a law. The sources of manga, the genres are slice of life, drama, school, shonen. And this one follows a girl named Chuki who has dreams and, 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 and aspirations to become a model that will walk on the, the Paris collection runway in Paris and be a famous model and her father is uh, the leader of a modeling group um, what was it called? The Paris um, I forget the name of it but anyways at some point she gets to like 5 feet 1 I think it was and suddenly she just stopped growing and so her dreams of becoming a model were completely shut down as everybody said yeah, you didn't. You're not growing any taller. Give up. Get out of here. You're 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 fired. Pretty much. Give up on your your hopes and dreams of going to Paris. You're never gonna. It's never gonna work. And but she doesn't let her get her down. She she fights and she keeps trying and she goes to auditions every single day at her father's workplace and they keep fire keep telling her no. It's not gonna work out. You're too short. Get out of here. And um, yeah, at some point she meets a boy named Ikto at her school, who is an aspiring uh, designer. And he really desires to become a designer, but his family's really poor, but he's trying really hard to become it. At some point, he makes an outfit for Chiyuki, who ends up getting spotted by a photographer who puts it up on his social media, and it catches the attention of the world as it goes viral. And thus, suddenly, <laughs> Chiyuki's father has to suddenly kind of acknowledge uh, Chiyuki, not really so much Chiyuki, but more Ikuto, and uh, thus begins their adventures. They have Ikuto. Ikuto is technically trying to become a designer on his side, going to different uh, jobs and trying to learn more about his skill. At the same time, on the other side, Chiyuki is trying to get modeling jobs and facing the issues with being a short model, which doesn't really exist in Japan, but... <laughs> I don't think it does, but uh, I do understand the idea of it not working for, I don't know, the runway in Paris, but Japan doesn't really seem to have issues with short models, but it it's a thing for her, and so she has to deal with it, so what do you think? I absolutely love this show. This show 
just destroyed everything for me. This is easily my favorite of the season. I cannot enough point out how much I love this show. The the characters are great. The stories are great. The drama beats are wonderful. Um, the 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 only show that I could think of in all of my time that I could actually place this with as far as a similar feel was probably Skip Beat, and it doesn't have the romantic the uh, the romance points of Skip Beat. So don't don't think of it that way. Think of it more along the lines of kind of um, the industry, looking at the industry in a different way and explaining it and still keeping it entertaining, having the the pressure points of it so that you can feel that, hey, I, I really want to want to see this character uh, do well. I want to see this character. Towards the end, you're, you've got like four or five characters you want to do, you want to see do well. And it's, it's do, it, it does such a wonderful job. I absolutely love this. I cannot uh, suggest it enough. It was funny because I ran into somebody that was critiquing it from the perspective of a designer. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, it's probably going to be glossing over a lot of things. And it's probably going to be incorrect in a lot of things. But I think its idea is just to be kind of this very surface level on a lot of this stuff. I don't really expect them to go into a huge detail about what hem they're using or what stitch they're using. I just kind of want to gloss over the top. Tell me that he's struggling because of some reason that I'm probably not going to understand. And then move on kind of thing. But I think it it did a good job on that idea. It really did kind of uh, surface level the the industry on on both sides, probably more so on the designer side than on the modeling side, because uh, that was one of my frustrations that I had is that it really quickly just ditches Chiuki, and which is really kind of frustrating because my the early introduction that you have is with Chiuki and her struggle, and then it's like here's this Ikuto guy, and then suddenly it's like. Peace out, Chiyuki. We're following the designer side, and it just gets straight into Ikuto's side. And I think we kind of mentioned, or we kind of came to agreement early on with it. It probably is because Ikuto is technically way far behind. Chiyuki, Chiyuki's progression, she's technically already have str- has strived for this, whereas Ikuto, it's always been this hobby that he did for his family, and now he needs to actually learn true designing and getting really into the industry itself and getting his own making a brand for himself. Whereas Chiki is, this is from the point she could walk. She has been fighting for Paris. So that's where she's going after the entire time she's growing up. So I did kind of see that that was probably the reason is because technically Chiki had a huge head start on Hikuto, but it was still a frustration that most of the time it's just following Hikuto's story, which I ended up gradually having to kind of, uh, I guess, focus on and really kind of go, is this really some character that I want to watch? Because I was really expecting it to be Chuki story. <laughs> and I did kind of over time really de- did want to, uh, you know, root for this character to actually succeed. But I also found that he was kind of unbearably kind of, I guess, immature and, and whiny. So <laughs> whereas Chuki was more, she was more stubborn. She was more um, strong-willed with with uh, you know facing this for so long. She was already she was already kind of hardened, and she was really pushing herself. Whereas Ikuto is kind of again more fresh in it and overly emotional about every kind of failure that he has. So that was really a struggle. I, I did enjoy his story, even though even 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 besides that, it's just because it's kind of like this um, poor family. 
uh, trying to strive to be going to an industry that is uh, technically more for the pristine and and rich and famous or whatever uh, the 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 fashion industry. But yeah, it was it was just enough that it did make it very enjoyable. Though I like I said, I didn't really want to get into full details about stitches and and crafting arts and all that kind of stuff. So it did well enough and not to make it boring, uh, which I do give it credit for. I do love the insight into the industry itself. I felt it did a very good job, even though I have no, absolutely no knowledge whatsoever in the industry of designing. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things. That, I have no, no, no knowledge of it, have no real interest, but hey, this show did <laughs> wonderful in selling it on me. I thought about one point of making a, a podcast episode where we talk about nothing but things that I like in anime that I hate in real life. <laughs> and this would be one of them is like, I have zero desire whatsoever in fashion i've i've flipped through channels and ran into uh, a fashion show watched like two people walk down the runway for and and suddenly go that looks terrible (laughs) nobody would wear that and nobody would wear that and then i changed channels again (laughs) and so to kind of watch a show about that i'm like suddenly okay well i want to watch this now so it's like yeah one of of the main one of the main uh rivals is puts out a whole bunch of awfully gaudy stuff and it's like i i looked over at andrew that seems real life because nobody would wear that crap <laughs> <laughs> they try to hold this whole thing where this is the one they would actually wear I'm like yeah okay yeah sure whatever that looks like a i don't know like a slave person's outfit i don't know who would wear that either uh so it, it does have it does it's it's a funny thing that i have zero desire for the fashion industry or designing and this show made it entertaining now, does it make it entertaining because it's probably very fictitious and it doesn't have uh, the truth about a lot of things? Probably. It probably sugarcoats a lot of things. But I think it does enough to give the drama beats in there that makes it feel like a very kind of grown-up story that is about working life and getting your craft together and trying to make it big, trying to make it into some kind of industry or trying to uh, support a family or or get to that dream that you wanted when you were a kid. Is it obtainable? Should you give up on it? Kind of thing. Oh, there's a lot of um, keep keep fighting for your dreams uh, undertones in this show. It's it's just flat out. And I, I don't even want to say undertones. It's just flat out blatantly in your face. You, you better go and fight for it if you want it. Yeah. Um. Wait, I guess the only struggle that I have is that. This is a very short portion of this story, and that is a huge problem because it almost feels like uh, many other shows that get into this. I mean, we were talking about Skip Beat before, um, a show that doesn't feel like it has a conclusion and it's only just begun. And that really frustrates me. That's that's why I would love – I was actually – I think I ended up cheering out when I seen that – that two notches, that Roman numeral that was different color than the rest of the logo, which makes no sense, but almost feel like they did it on purpose, maybe. <laughs> well, when he when when Andrew said it, I was like, "This show deserves it." I just it, it flat out deserves it. I yeah yeah, but that's my frustrations. Like, I guess the only negative that I have for this show is that I don't know that it'll ever complete, and I do want more because again, I was very frustrated frustrated by the fact that we got very little Chuki. And I want more of her story. I want to see more of her struggle. We got maybe um, the introductory parts. We got like two gigs. She went to try to get a job somewhere. She went to one job and got snuffed out. And then we never seen her again until the very last kind of quote unquote battle that 
all the designers were having, and she took part in it. And it's like, I want more of her story. I thought she was what hooked me into the show. Her she, early the, moments where she kept going to that place and kept trying out, and you really seen her kind of stubborn and determination. That's what made me fell in love with the show. And then it switched to Ikuto, and we've barely ever seen her again. That's that's the huge frustration. I want more of her story, and I want to see these two move on. And I don't think that we'll ever get another season. If we do, I welcome it with open arms. <laughs> it's 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 hard to explain because I, I I flat out agree with Andrew on on Chiyuki. Chiyuki is absolutely the heart of this show, and. It's it is frustrating to see. Uh, it's not it's not that Ikuto is not a good character because he is. Re- I I really really enjoy him. He's a great character. I love seeing his. If heart you didn't like and, him as a character, you probably give up on the show really quickly because yeah, ninety percent of the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Chia- but Chiyuki comes in comes in as this character of like like we had said. She's hard headed. She's she's the ultimate underdog in the show because uh, like like Andrew said, it's. You have to be this 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 tall, and nobody is going to even look at you if you're not even that even close to that. Um, so yeah, it's it it's it's one of those that no, I'm going to prove to you. And yeah, when she does short, get up, look over your head. And when she does get up there on the stage, she just absolutely blows everybody away. So it's it's a she's absolutely an awesome part of the show. But like like we said, it's more about Ikuto at least for this season. Yeah. So, which makes me think that it's it's going to be here soon. Hopefully, it's going to be kind of turning the stories back towards her. I don't know. I haven't really read the manga, but um, it deserves more. And it's it's kind of a rare case in anime to have a story that is kind of more talking about people that are in the workforce, technically, even though they're they're you know still in like college and stuff like that. But yeah. Um, other than that, I. Yeah, I have really nothing negative to say about it. It was a really fantastic show. Um, my, my only negative is the fact that I don't know that we'll ever get a, another season of it, and that frustrates me because it felt like it it needs to keep going. And, yeah. So, we'll see. Smile down the runway. Really cool. Cool, cool show. If, it's, if my favorite pop idol made it to the Budokan, I would die. Or Oshi ga Budokan... Itukureta Tara Shinu. This one is Shinu. Sorry, it's Shinu. It's dead. Funimation streamed on Swan for twelve episodes. Done by Studio Eight Bit. The source is a manga, and the genres are music, comedy, and seinen. And the director is Yusuke Yamamoto, who did Yamada's first time. Welcome to the NHK. Shonen Made and Encouragement of Climb. And series composition by Hitomi Miyuno, who did Machu. Real Girl, Avocado Under the Bridge, and Flying Witch. This one uh, follows a girl named Iripyo, who has a huge fascination with a pop idol named Mina, who is part of a seven-girl team idols called Cham Jam. And so it kind of follows her daily routine of getting with her other uh, members that have different, or other, other fans that have different... Uh, idols as being their favorite, uh, including Kumasa, uh, Motoi, and his sister Reina, who all have different ones of this Cham Jam that they really do love. And they go to each of the events that they go to, different handshakings, buying merchandise, 
killing themselves, working to death, trying to get money to buy different stuff to support these idols that they absolutely adore. And, um, yeah, thoughts? I, I, I really enjoyed the show. It's so adorable, and it just revels in the um, idol uh, making fun of the fandom and even saying making fun of it. It's not really making fun of it, but it, 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 it does do slight ch- pokes at it and it just has a lot of fun and reveling in it. it it toys with the idea of um how hard it is to get um get an actual conversation going with a five second time frame it just toys with that it the the un uncomfortable uh when you have two characters who can't really talk really well how or express themselves well it just loves to revel in all that it has so much fun with the um the characters just going nuts over their particular um their quote unquote one that they they're in love with it just has a lot of fun and i i just had a lot of fun watching the show it looks great and great characters a lot of fun yeah i think this was um one in, in our preview, I said it, it's going to either work or it's going to fall apart, and I, I'm really glad to say that it did work. And I think that's probably because I, I've always kind of not necessarily enjoyed a lot of betrayals in anime of uh, either f- idol fandom or um, the otaku character that just seems to be overly kind of creepy and yeah, stereotypical of of, of otaku culture. And it was really kind of refreshing with this one, even though it, it does technically have a lot of fun, the idea of having Edipio screaming psychotically or overworking herself all for the love of Mina and being obsessive of Mina. It never really gets to the point where it's creepy. And maybe that's because it worked with this one because it's a female character. Maybe it would be a lot more creepy if it was a male character. Um, but even with characters like Kumasa, who could have easily, easily turned into the, you know, you know, puff, puff, snorting character with the with the blush face, uh, perverted, chunky otaku character. They only really kind of joked about it, like here or there. They had like the whole scene where he's at the studio watching her live broadcast for the uh, New Year's, and he's kind of fogging up the window behind it. But other than that, it, it, the characters don't feel creepy, and I think that's what's kind of really enjoyable about it. It was a really kind of a really interesting look into the small time idol uh fandom and i really did like that it was kind of almost scary at the same time because you know you watch stuff like you know perfect blue um news articles about people that are fans of certain idols you know attacking the idols when they betray them or something like that and as i'm watching this show and kind of seeing the determination of these characters doing all this crazy stuff it really does kind of give you that inner perspective of like yeah i can kind of see if somebody is you know, that dedicated to this one idol character or this one pop idol and they go to every single one of their events and they work themselves to death to buy, you know, handshake tokens that they get five seconds to shake the hand of an idol and they buy all their CDs because they want them to become a a center or something like that. Maybe they can technically go nuts if they suddenly find out that they're technically got a boyfriend or they're leaving the idol sphere to go do movies or stuff like that. I can you you kind of give a get a perspective of that just because you see the again this could be completely you know overly over the top and not really real but it feels kind of grounded in the idea of of watching these characters doing what they do watching the schedules trying to make it to every single event being there to support the the one 
group member that they they love so much. And I did like that. I I love that this is a a really cool little look into again that small time idol group, the small time idol group fandom. These little events that they do that are almost kind of very very uh predatory to the fandom and and soaking up money out of them like the whole thing where they can rank the idols and whichever one depending on where they're ranked at they can become the center or cent- uh front left or front right and how much people have to buy thousands of CDs just to get their idol up the front it's very predatory but other than that it's 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 really cool uh look into it that feels very kind of natural and at the same time very entertaining kind of what Chris was talking about, and I haven't even touched it at all, is I love these characters. I love Diripio. I, I love Mina. She's absolutely adorable. I totally get why she's obsessed with her. Um, and even then, even still, even though you, it feels like Iripio and, and Mina is kind of the focus because being the main characters, it Rio, did actually take Rio time. Is wonderful as well. Yeah, it did actually take time to get into a lot of the other idols that I really wasn't expecting. I, didn't, I thought it was just going to be about the fans and Iripio's obsession with Mina but it actually gave a lot of perspectives on the idol side, and I was totally expecting Rio to be a snub snub girl, and she's actually got a lot of heart to her. I, I I think the only one that really kind of gave any kind of drama to their side was probably Aya, and there was a little bit of a a jealousy there that really quickly turned around, and she turned to a fantastic character. I, just they were just all good girls in the end, and I I, I totally get why they're each one of them are supported. Um, so it was I don't understand why Mina doesn't have more fans. She's got two, at least. She has thousands online, though. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Okay, I got you. She has thousands of supporters online. No, that's right. I got you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was... But I, I love the interactions between Edipio and, and Mina. Just how they always fail miserably at communicating to each other whenever they have these little moments. How Every single time they have this brief moment to talk to each other at a, at a handshake... Edipio always says something stupid and it you're like you <laughs> failed miserably or Mina would would do something and Edipio would take it completely wrong. Um like she says, Did you enjoy the gift I gave you? Yeah, I could never eat that. She's like, Oh, she hates it. She's just like this is <laughs> this is disgusting. Uh they're just completely helpless and they're always gonna be completely helpless. But just a fantastic cast. The comedy was on point, didn't feel like it was pushed too hard. Had a lot of really cute moments. I loved when Mina bumped into uh, Edipio and, and her, her two friends, and she did kind of like the heart shoot thing, and then Edipio fills over, <laughs> and then Mina runs off, and she's in her casual clothes, so she looks absolutely adorable. They're just way too cute. I think this is probably... Granted, it's not technically a 100% idol show. It's probably my favorite idol show of all time, even even despite it not being a full-on idol show. I mean, Cinderella Girls is probably, like, right there, but for different reasons. Um, but this one was probably easily one of my favorite idol shows. We had two fantastic idol shows this season. Very surprising. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about the other one next time, though. It's not quite done yet. Yeah. Love the cast. I wish we get more of it. Um, unfortunately, I don't really see this really kind of continuing on, even though uh, it, it deserves could. it. <laughs> I think it kind of felt like, it almost felt like the last the last moments of the last episode almost felt like they purposely kind of shoved something in there to joke about it so that they can cut it off at that point. I don't think that that was supposed to be there. Like I, that felt like they took a later part of the manga and shoved it right there just to feel like, oh well, 
this has to be here. So, yeah, I'm going to miss it. I love it to death. I'm going to miss Mina. I miss Rio. Miss Serane. Miss Aya. Yuka's kind of cute, too. I love the Yumeri X uh, Maki thing. That was kind of that was kind of cute. Yeah, my favorite. If if you can call this an idol show, my favorite idol show. And if you can call it a Yuri show, <laughs> it's my favorite Yuri show. I want Mina and Ibro to be together forever. Oh, <laughs> uh, they were way too cute together. Is that it? That's it. It's the last show. That's all of them. Did we talk? We talked about Darwin's game, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about Blade of the Mortal. You talked about um, it, yes. Somali. We talked about Somali. Id invaded. You we talked did, about yeah. that. Hanako-kun? Yes. Okay, we got that one. Bofuri? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I might have, I might have fell asleep. Uh, Sitan Academy? Yeah, we did mm-hmm. that one. I did fake Grand Order. Yeah, you did. Smile Down the Runway? I did that one. I guess you talked on that one. <laughs> uh, Budokan? Yeah, we talked about that. We just finished we it. We just did that one. That's right. We just did that one. So we're done. That's That's it for this episode. What's up next week, Chris? I don't know. <laughs> you don't know what we haven't reviewed yet and that you've watched? I show by Rock and, and, and Itarumakun Ma- are the, the only two that I can think of off the top show of my head. Show by Rock, Meshi. Yeah, we got to do that one. Uh, yeah, you're going to do you're gonna do your your uh, Itarumakun. Welcome to Demon School of I don't know that I can catch up with that one fast enough. <laughs> it was hard enough to get caught up on Blade and Immortal and, and uh, Pet this week. Uh, Isekai Quartet too, Room Camp. We're gonna do a mid-season on Plunderer. That's a there's thing. a couple more that I'm gonna see if I can catch up on, but I I make no promises. But yeah, Irumakun for sure. Yeah, Magic Record, Photo Magic, Madoka Magica, Pet. I'll do that one. <laughs> Twenty-two-seven. I'm gonna enjoy talking about that one. Inspectre. There's gonna be some conversation. Yeah, about I guess Spectre. it's not a bad week next week. Yeah, we have My Hero Academia season four. I'll have to put that at the end though, because we're technically so far into it at this point. It might as well just be a spoiler talk. Uh, should we just turn that one to a spoiler talk? I mean, is anybody gonna want to review for season four? I mean, it's kind of like the uh, Monogatari series. Like at some point, you just have to start. Just let's just talk about what happened in it. Yeah, it, it, it's about that point, yeah. Let's just do that. I think we'll do that. We'll, do, but we'll probably put it at the very end. That way it doesn't spoil anything for anybody else. I don't think, like I said, I don't think somebody's going to look for a review of uh, season four unless they've watched it and they want to see if somebody agreed with them. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I'm going to try to watch Keep Your Hands Off of Izokin. Um, I heard it over there on your iPad. Yeah. Or was that we'll your see. phone? We'll see. Episode four was all right. It kind of just gets into this whole idea of trying to show you how they cut corners and how you shouldn't be mad at them because they have time constraints. <laughs> it feels like it's a big statement by the animators or something. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, that's, that's it. And like I said, like Chris said, we'll see what else we can fit in there. I, like I said, I kind of wanted to get back to, um, asteroid and love. Nekapata. kind of want to do uh hat to no illusion. Yeah, I've gotta I've gotta figure out which ones I wanna do. I I definitely You definitely wanna watch Jeweler Richard. I was thinking of <laughs> I was thinking of Science Fall in Love. You don't wanna and, watch Jeweler Richard? Huh? You don't wanna watch Jeweler Richard? Did you see how case, quickly I answered your case. question when you said that? I uh-huh. went right to I just completely ignored it, no, walked right by it and said I was thinking about science so obviously I'm really dying to read that. Watch that one. Yes, yeah, it would love be reading it because it's 
<laughs> science fell in love so you can instead get a breakdown on uh, mathematical equations and how to prove things. Well, that and Nekopara is probably the one I'm leaning towards at least first. Uh, Infinite Dendro Dragon I was thinking about as well. He's like, Nekopara, show that I don't have to watch, but I can watch. <laughs> I don't have to look at to watch. Just play in the background. There's not going to be a deep story with Nekopara, so it'll be easy. Yeah, Hatana Illusion is the other one that I'm, I'm, I kind of don't want to give up on. So those are the four that I'm looking at. I would lean towards Nekopara. It would probably be a guaranteed for me. Hatana Illusion was probably. Would it make people really angry if I said I want to watch Nekopara more than Izuken? Huh? I think people get really angry if I said that I want to watch Nekopara more than finishing uh, Izuken. <laughs> We have such terrible taste. I'm sorry. We're tasting we have garbage. horrid taste. We do. I, I, the, we keep why, trying to tell you. You guys this? have better taste than us. I mean, we haven't finished watching Izuka, but I watched freaking Blade of Immortal, which has been adapted three times. And <laughs> yeah. A toilet spirit show. A toilet spirit show. Yeah. And that, and that, Another and that garbage, show. and that garbage, uh, uh, zoo show. That yeah. And the, an idol Netflix. show that nobody else watched, but us. Anyways, um, we hope you guys enjoyed this run through. Uh, maybe you got some ideas for some shows that you want to go check out before this insane season comes up next week. It's going to be crazy. But yeah, we, we were one of the ones that actually first watched Kimono Friends. We were the first ones to watch it, and we were screaming about yeah, it before we everybody the, else. So obviously, we have garbage taste. One except for us, because we had we had the 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 broken eyes to be able to watch that. Yeah, but. Technically, Kimono Friends was garbage, apparently, still, even though everybody else loved it. <laughs> and it broke numbers on Nico Nico. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this run-through of Winter 2020 reviews, and we look forward to the part two. We hope you guys enjoyed. Again, we're at TakuSpirit.com. You can go there for all of our anime new and old. Great community in the format. Stop. Social media links right side. Some links up there for all of our other reviews that we've done because we have terrible taste. And you all take care. Os. Sign, 